I've got a good friend. He's been working on a novel for a few years. Might be good, might be great. This week he said to me, I realize I haven't finished it yet because I want it to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, then I can't put it out there. Because until it's out there, I have this story I tell myself that the novel is great and it's almost perfect. And if it goes out there and it's not well received or some people perceive it as less than perfect, then I've failed. But I don't want to think of myself as a failure, so I won't put it out there. Therefore, I can't be a failure. As long as it's not out there, I can think about how great it might be once it comes out. Hey, this is Tim Patterson, a trade show guy exhibits, and the show is called Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. So glad you could join me for this episode for August. I think it's the 5th. I'm recording this a few days beforehand, but if Monday the 5th is coming up, let me check the calendar. That's right, Monday the 5th. Welcome to Monday the 5th. And I thought it'd be fun to talk about perfectionism and how we get caught up in that. The chasing of something that's so good it's perfect, however you define perfect. It's a very human thing. And many people are trying to create something that's perfect and they'll never create anything that's perfect because, frankly, perfect does not exist. And as I've heard many times, perfect is the enemy of good. Perfect is the enemy of great Perfect is the enemy of, let's make it acceptable. But to many of us, you know, think there's a way to make something perfect, but there really isn't. So, so let's break this down. Uh, what is perfect and who defines perfection? How do we decide if something is perfect or not? Because really, no matter how good something is, you can always find something wrong or improve it, right? It, or at least it's not as good as it could be. Let's say you're writing and recording a song, a simple song, a three-chord song, a blues song, a rock song. I could go back into history and pick out a three-chord song like, let's say, Louie Louie by the Kingsman and say, you know what? That was perfect. That was a perfect recording. It did everything it needed to do. It had all sorts of energy to it. It was perfect. But you look at it, you start tearing it apart. That's my opinion, of course. Uh, you know, it's it's a bombastic, crunchy, loud piece of trash. There's a spot in the song where the drummer drops a stick and yells out an F-bomb. It only made number two on the charts because the singing nuns with Dominica Dominica held the number one spot for weeks. So they couldn't get to number one. How could anyone say it's perfect? Well, my, my bias is it's not perfect, but man, it was a perfect record for so many reasons. It just had energy to it. It had... It had uh, a sizzle. It had it had all, so much going for it. Yet, you know, Louie Louie inspired people. It moved people. It got tons of airplay. It's been recorded thousands of times. It's been played millions of times. It's a crazy simple song. Yet in many ways, that single recording by the Kingsman of Louie Louie, recorded in Portland, Oregon back in 1963, I believe, is perfect. That's my opinion, again. So again, who defines perfect? A research done in the past few years by Thomas Curran looked deeply into the concept of perfectionism. A study was published in the Psychological Bulletin last year, and, and among the, the conclusions it says, perfectionism is broadly defined as a combination of excessively high personal standards and overly critical self-evaluations. Without going into great detail, the study found that over the past 30 years, people who describe themselves as working towards perfectionism went up significantly, the, the number of people pursuing that. As time goes on, more and more people are setting unrealistic expectations for themselves, whether with you know school grades, salary goals, lifestyle ambitions. You know They see so many peers launching multi-million, multi-million, billion-dollar companies, and they're thinking, if I haven't done that, I must be so bad. Uh, interestingly enough, though, much of that 
doubt comes from the impact that social media has on us. Uh, reporting to the report, the popularity of these platforms, including your social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all this stuff, is in part explained by how they allow us and users to create, uh, curate a perfect public image. You see that all the time, right? Unrealistic body images that people see and feel they got to live up to. Uh, and no doubt you've seen photos of uh, friends who are like vacationing in in the Czech Republic or down in South America, all these trips that you wish you could take, and they're having a perfect time there because they're posting only the perfect pictures, and you go, oh, man, and it's envy, it's jealousy. Uh, but with a, a pursuit of perfect with a pursuit of perfectionism, uh, it comes a great risk of uh, greater risk, I should say, of depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts because people will never be able to achieve what it is they're after, which is perfectionism. Why? Well, it doesn't exist. That's why you can't have it. So let me say that again: perfectionism does not exist, Louis Louis. Uh, notwithstanding. No doubt we are all trying to get better, but there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but it's not the same as perfect. The self-help industry in America brings in more than $10 billion a year through infomercials, books, audiobooks, apps, personal coaching, weight loss programs, public seminars, workshops, motivational speakers, all trying to make people better. Uh, but trying to make yourself better isn't quite the same as trying to make yourself perfect. I, I think there's a danger, though, in getting caught up on all those self-help programs. Again, without going too far down that little rabbit hole, uh, you can easily think that by simply buying one book or going to one more event or trying one more program will lead to the perfect life or perfect result that you want. And if you do that enough times, you'll find out that that's not the case. Because once you start chasing that, you're going to keep chasing it because you're never going to get exactly what you want. In my own life, I look back at a couple things. Um, I think I think at some point I realized that being perfect was never going to happen, and you had to be okay with it not being perfect. I think I probably it dawned on me in my twenties that that was the case, and and so you just want to be as good as you can. Uh, and I can tell you, uh, years ago, or I'm looking like six or eight, nine years ago, I as far as weight goes, I felt I was heavier than I wanted to be by maybe fifteen or twenty pounds. You know, I was a good. 30 pounds, maybe more heavier than I was in high school. Now, high school obviously is a long time ago. It wasn't a huge weight problem, but, you know, I'd felt I'd gained enough weight. I wasn't who I wanted to be. Uh, a friend got me onto one of those meal plans where he lost like 60 pounds, you know, eat about five meals a day of the first four, like 100 calories. And then you finish the day with one that's like 500 calories. So you're really uh, cutting your food intake down maybe by half as far as calories go. And even though with five meals a day and a small stack, a snack, you think you're eating frequently. And, you know, it worked. Short term, it worked. I lost like 20 or more pounds in just a couple of months. Felt great. Got down to uh, a lot lower weight than I ever expected to. Uh, but the program ended and I had a question what's next now of course they tried to get you to recognize what you're eating the exercise you're taking all that but you know time goes by and you kind of slowly return to the previous eating habits and, and most but not all the weight came back took a couple of years to do that because i was watching it pretty well but there i was so then what well uh, i had an acquaintance mention that an app uh, he had used worked for him so i downloaded it, it was a free deal Put it to work. It tracks calories. You just put in how much you're eating. Tracks exercise. Put put in how much you're walking or skiing or bicycling or whatever, and then it'll do all this calculation. It'll you know you put your your height, weight, your your age, your gender, all that stuff in there, and it'll say okay, you're going over your your calorie intake for the day or you're short of it. Okay, so it'll take you there. I mention this because 
I got good results. Uh, since I started doing that, I probably lost 15 pounds. Not bad. It's not perfect. It'll never be perfect. <laughs> Weight always fluctuates every day, every week, every month. Uh, but I guess what it really brought to my mind was I'm aware now of a lot of stuff. I'm aware of how much I eat. I'm aware of how much coffee I drink. I'm aware of how much I walk, how much I ride my bike. And so all this is, is a great way of saying it really helps to be aware of all the data that you're inputting. And it makes helps you make better decisions as to saying, you know what, instead of having, you know, like three bowls of popcorn or a, a bowl of ice cream, you go, you know what, I don't need that. <laughs> Okay, so same with blogging and writing and making music, trade show marketing, whatever. Just being aware of your current status, knowing the data, uh, keeps you on track for incremental progress. It lets you know when you're slipping. It, it keeps you pointed in the right direction. A lot of this perfectionism comes back to the story we tell about ourselves. Who do we think we are and who do we want people to think we are? I think those are the two big things. We hide our mistakes. We minimize our shortcomings. We try to be perfect, but is it for ourselves? Why? Is it to show other people? Again, why? Uh, to sum up, we'll never be perfect, but we can always be working to improve. We'll never be perfect, but we may have what we deem to be perfect moments at times in our lives. Again, we'll never be perfect, but we might feel that the last thing we did was as close to perfect as we'll ever get as human, and that's enough. Short of perfect, but it's enough. We're only human. Humans are not perfect. So don't worry about perfection. This week's trade show tip uh, gets at the idea that our trade show marketing is always in a state of becoming better and in a state of flux. Often there are a number of people in a company that all have a lot at stake in the success of a trade show marketing effort. The salespeople who depend on uh, getting good leads to follow up on. The coordinators who depend on showing the boss the effort and the results they're hoping to get. Make sure the booth looks great. Make sure everything works well. The staff who wants to meet and greet visitors and answer their questions and gather information. So how do you know from show to show if you're getting better or just barely treading water? Again, it's back to the data. By tracking as many metrics as you can. Certainly track the most obvious. Leads generated. Sales as a result of those leads. Uh, the return on the investment for the show. But uh, try to track less obvious things, I think, such as visitor count, uh, booth reception, and perception. What do people think of your booth? How do you compare to your competitors? Uh, and what visitors thought of everything? Ask questions. Take surveys on products and competitors. A trade show is a great opportunity to gather a lot of data. You should plan on gathering as much as you can and then compare that data to what you gather at the next year's show as well and keep tracking. I think that's the important thing. Track the data, track the metrics, and then compare year to year. That'll show the progress that you're making. All right, just about ready to wrap up this week's uh, Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. I don't know that I mentioned uh, this on the one good thing over the last year or two, but uh, the family acid on Instagram uh, is... <laughs> I'm going to link to both the Instagram account of The Family Acid and an article uh, linking to Roger Steffens' new book. Now, Roger Steffens is a guy who's in his late 70s, uh, was one of the original hippies from the 60s, 70s, went to Vietnam when he was uh, 25 years old, spent many years over there in the psychological operations, took a camera along, started taking pictures, and became a photographer through his whole life. And it wasn't until eight or nine years ago that his kids started digitizing, you know, some 100,000 images. Interesting, fascinating images. The people he's known, the life he's led. This shows up two or three pictures a day on Instagram, on the family acid. 
And it's just fascinating. He's got a number of books out. He's kind of known as the Bob Marley biographer. Uh, he had a reggae show in uh, Los Angeles for years. His first guest there back in the late 70s was Bob Marley. He's had so many reggae guests on there. Uh, but check out the Family Acid on Instagram. That is this week's one good thing. And be sure to check the links in the show notes. Uh, I'm Tim Patterson. This is Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Have yourself a great week. We'll do it again next time.